Special edition of Kettle Whistle Radio. I'm here with Ms. D, and we have somebody with us. Um, actually, well, we've been idolizing for a long time. Am I correct? <laughs> Come on, speak yes, up. She's yes, being, we have. She's being shy. I'm being shy. Um, sorry. Leslie Rankin from, well, she is Ruby as far as I'm concerned, uh, all the way across the seas in, in Scotland. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here with a nice glass of wine in front of the fire. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, cheers. Scottish summertime, you know. You know what? Cheers all around. We're having glass for you right now, too. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Now, 20 years of saltpeter. Yeah, I know. Doesn't feel like it. I know. It, it feels more like 20 weeks, really. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's like, what the... Have I been doing for 20 years? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we, we've been wondering, but we also, you know, I, I was able to find a few things, of course, because we've been, I mean, Salt Peter's one of those albums, every time I listen to it, I have a new favorite, so I never, ever got tired of it. Doesn't mean I don't want more. Uh, luckily, Silverfish 2007 came out, which I adore. We have the EP. Now, you started with that in 1988, correct? With Silverfish, yeah. So you were punk rock in the beginning. Yeah. Kind of, kind of noisy, kind of, yeah, that kind of thing. Now with Ruby, uh, you survived the demise of grunge, the destruction of punk, renaissance of metal, and the horrendous transition of now the homemade pop music. Where do you place yourself in all this? You're still an original. Um, that's that's been my eternal problem. Is that I've never fitted into any category comfortably which is a good thing i like that kind of thing yes. but um uh, labels and press people and you know the the business side of people have have always had a problem like what do, what do we do with it who do we start, try and sell it to you know mm. but that makes the most interesting music sometimes Aye, well i think the good thing about the whole kind of homemade thing and um People are a bit, a lot more open-minded now, I think, musically, and they're a lot, they have much more diverse tastes. Yes. You know, like, like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when I was young, there, you, you had metalheads and then you had punk rockers and never the twain would meet. 
you know? Correct. True, true. So, uh, but now everybody has a wee snippet of every type of music in their, in their mu- music collection. Mm-hmm. It happened. So, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I think it's quite, uh, it, for us who are a bit more eclectic, it's, it's a lot better now than it used to be. I in agree. In New York City, like in the late 80s, punk and metal kids were like hanging out a little bit and you had thrash metal that kind of combined the two together. I got to see the Ramones actually and then you had metalheads at that show and that was the beginning of it. Now, speaking of which, um, Miss D did a little research and I don't know how we missed <laughs> it. We, we missed you on the first, was it the first Lollapalooza tour you were on that? Um, it wasn't the first Second, 93. It was like the second one, I think. It was 1996. Oh, so okay. It might have been like the third or fourth, actually. Okay. Well, uh, that, that's just the Law of Palooza tour. I mean, think about Perry Farrell, Jane's Addiction. That's the whole reason why we actually do this show. And um, Kettle was the radio, hence. Um, but that guy and Lollapalooza was all about finding eclectic and weird tastes and blending things and characters and, mm. and audiences. Did you enjoy mm. that experience? It was brilliant. It was, in a lot of ways, it was just really great. Waking up in a field in the bacon sun with um, only a portaloo <laughs> for like six weeks was, that was a bit difficult, the kind of living conditions type yeah. of it. But having so many different acts all on the same, in the same place at the same time, different varieties of people and, you know, we had, we had a really great time. Did you get to meet Perry? Nah. Ah. Uh, we well, one he's of us. One of my did. personal idols. <laughs> yeah, he did a little private concert for Miss D here. Uh, they did. They played four songs backstage and uh, just good stuff. Just really good stuff. But yeah, it was a contest. <laughs> she won a contest. It was a contest. <laughs> All right, so I mean, that's our dog barking in the background. We just knew she was going to do this today. That's the only way it works around here. But um, so you were in Berlin recently touring. Yes. No, I wasn't too. Well, I suppose in January oh. I, I did a show for um, the guy who makes most of my videos, Seven Knowles. He put on a whole kind of audio visual show, and we were headlining. And he he did a video to each song that we were that everybody was playing. Oh, cool! So he did he did just like about forty videos for this 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 night, and it was a brilliant night. That sounds and, awesome. Uh, and it it felt like the first real gig that we've done. The first, you know, because it's uh, it's been so long since I toured properly, mm-hmm. and we'd only done about two or three shows before then. And I felt like I was, you know, I hadn't done a, a, a live show for like thirteen years, right? And and I I felt like I was just kind of finding my feet. And then the Berlin show, um, it really felt like now I know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. I don't, I don't think you ever didn't know what you were doing, but it's good to hear that you got that back. That's spark again, right? Yeah, I totally, I totally knew what I, like, it's like I slipped into an old comfortable pair of shoes and I could <laughs> walk you, around in them quite happily. You, could, thing, you know. But the last time I was in Berlin was just, just for, for hanging out and it was my birthday and um, I went clubbing and stuff and, and had a really great time. I love Berlin. <laughs> Fantastic. I only hear good things about it. Now, you yeah. know, in the States here, we did, we missed some of your work along the way. Now, I, I love Silverfish 2007, but I still always harken back to, you know, uh, Ruby. That's, I just listen to Salt Peter all the time. There was a remix album available on iTunes, but I was, I was disappointed to find that there wasn't, you have something new out, correct? Yes. I put out an album last year um, mm-hmm. called Waiting for Light, and I just put it out myself, 
and and um, I mean, if you want to know, see eclectic, have a look at that because it it's, it bounces off of every wall, every musical genre you can find. Julie. I can't apart wait. From, apart from reggae, I don't do reggae. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. In this house, I mean, if it happens, it happens. It makes other people happy. That's fine. It's not our our, our we don't dig it that much. Yes. I, I mean, you know what? Live, it makes people happy. All right, if it gets a crowd happy, that's fine. But yeah. just not our thing. We're we're metalheads by nature, and then we just kind of branched off into so many other things. But um, now you opened up for Garbage and No Doubt in the late 90s, correct? Yes. What was that like? Did you meet Shirley? Yeah, I hung out with her. Well, it was really we were play, playing the same um, festival circuit. Really? Oh, okay. We weren't um, touring with them or anything. We were just um, playing, all, playing all the same festivals. Okay. So um, I got to hang out with her quite a quite a bit and uh, we'll have a few mutual friends and stuff like that. So. I didn't ask you about Gwen because we have an overabundance of Gwen well, here. Well, no, we didn't play with No Doubt, I don't no. think. Okay, really? there was a little blurb. I wasn't sure either. There was a little blurb yeah. I saw about that, so it was just just garbage then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Shirley's one of our I goddesses suppose, here. I suppose, uh, probably, no doubt, we're playing all the same kind of festivals as well, and you just get, it's like you're, you're on this train and you're all going around the same places. Correct. Yeah. Right. I was a, a big fan of the uh, letter that uh, Shirley Manson wrote to Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to see uh, that? No, I haven't seen it. What is it? Oh, boy. Um, he he had basically yeah he had um i guess every award show we have he kind of jumps on stage and says beyonce should have gotten that award and he did it to beck and beck is kind of a you know quiet kind of guy like wow you're gonna (laughs) do that to him and she basically you'll have to look it up she she destroyed uh, him literally oh just destroyed him verbally she can I know, I did hear about that. I heard about what, I mean, I never watched award shows or anything, but I heard about that. You know, and the thing that struck me is Beyonce, yeah, yeah, she's great. She's a fantastic showwoman and stuff, but you know, how many of her own songs does she write? How much of her own production Correct. does she do? And, exactly. and everything else. Whereas Beck does everything. Yes. And he's, he's just a fucking genius, yes. right? So, right. And and who is someone to say someone doesn't deserve a, an award? Right, I know. You know, like he's, you know, he's the popular vote. He's, you know, people that really are into music. No, no. Now, yeah. You you brought up Beck and being a one man show. That's the way I kind of looked at you. Um, I, I you may or may not like this, but I always compared Salt Peter as the female pretty hate machine, a masterpiece. But yeah, uh, but I, a lot of his stuff he did on a computer. It sounds like you use a lot of live instruments. Um. Yes and no. No, well, no, 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 not now. Anyway, when it was Salt Peter, yes, we did a bit to, to a certain extent, but it was recorded all all digitally, all in the computer, which at that time nobody was doing. I don't think there was a few people do, doing it, but yet most people still use tape machines. But we never mm-hmm. used. I haven't used a tape machine since nineteen ninety two or something. Okay, and um, I loved recording digitally. So uh, I. And I still, I still do. And I think it's, I mean, on the new album, my, my brother is a bass player and he's a jazz bass player, you know, and apart from playing, he plays in pill as well. And stuff, really? But, yeah, but he, and he, he worked on this album with me, Waiting for Light with me. And, and I wanted him to use, um, stand up bass because he's got a beautiful original stand up bass and it has that beautiful earthy, woody, mm-hmm taste to it and teeth and you know as love and he was saying nah i'll I, i'd rather use a plug-in 
mm-hmm. because the plugin actually sounds better. Absolutely. Recording, the plugin actually sounds more woody and more earthy and it has all the kind of inflections and the, the, the scraping of strings and tapping of wood that you would get from playing a, a live stand-up bass, but it just records better. Yeah, and the bass... And I was quite surprised. And, and, and I think... If there is any snobbery um, still towards uh, plugins or electronic instruments versus live instruments, um, it needs to just go away because <laughs> you know it, it does. It's it's all sound and it's all just as valid. Oh, absolutely! You know, right. Electronically generated sound, synthetically generated sound is just just as valid as as, as you know the old fashioned stuff. Yeah, from like Primus to Morphine. You, you ever listen to Morphine back in the day? Yeah. Um, stand up bass. Oh wow, the dog just barked right in our microphone. <laughs> but yeah, Morphine was an incredible act. Uh, stand up bass, and I love Primus too. He plucks away, and it, the, 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 the instrument bleeds. You know, it's just you hear it. It's so much more powerful. And that leads me to my next question. Um, when you play live gigs, like how many musicians do you bring with you? Um, well, just now I'm reworking the set so that it's only me because I've been doing this totally DIY since I started doing it again mm-hmm. and the last few gigs have been myself and my brother and we have some stuff on um, uh, back and track on, on laptop and and then there's an array of gadgets and loops and loopers and um, and bass and guitar mm-hmm. and stuff well financially that just works out you know yeah, I, I, totally. absolutely are, are, you, are you go ahead I'm sorry but I, I mean I love Working with wee quirky gadgets, you mm-hmm. know, and I use my phone and I'm and Seven, the guy in Berlin who makes me makes my videos, he just he commissioned this girl to make me this little tiny little synthesizer in a box in a little metal box for my birthday. So I'm going, I've got to have to work that in. That's so cool. <laughs> um, like, you, are you behind all the writing and the arrangement? Is that all you? Yeah. Okay, so I, I gotta ask you, Salt Peter, do you look at that as an angry album? Um, to a certain extent, yeah, I think I, I mean, at that time I was an angry young woman, mm-hmm. you know, and I was living in the city and getting loads of shit all the time from people, so, and people in my face all the time, and I'm quite a kind of feisty type, so there was, all of that was just getting channeled into my music all the time. Oh yeah, you and, get that um, message across, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, you could feel it. But you see, I, now I'm a writer, and w- when you can get you get a feeling from a song, it speaks for itself in just sometimes tone. Not just you don't have to read along with the lyrics. You have a tone, and I know mm. the theme you're going for almost in each song. I'm probably wrong in a lot of cases, but th- then you have a song like Bud. Okay, and th- that's a bit of your jazz uh, sound prevalent there that comes along yeah. later. Was that is that your brother's influence or? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I've always loved that kind of stuff. I, when I was a kid, I loved Ella Fitzgerald. You know, I went up through a whole Ella Fitzgerald phase and I used to sing all of her songs and that kind of stuff. So that there's part of me that that, that kind of music is in my heart all the time. So Very cool. Um, I have two favorites. I, I, you know what? I have a new favorite, like I said, every day. But Swallow is a favorite, as is uh, Saltwater Fish. Um, what was going on in your life at that time when you're writing a song like Saltwater Fish? I think... <clears throat> The, the same themes run through a lot of the songs. I was, I'm just, I've always been really shit at relationships with blokes. So there was always, you know, so, and, and general, um, 
you know, harassment of everyday life thing. I was, I was, I had been living in London up until then, and it was London at that time was a place that everybody was just in your face all the time. Mm. And, and and quite nasty, and you know, will rip you off as soon as look at you, and you know that kind of thing. So there's all these kind of themes just running through that all the time. But um, I, mean, I think that mostly that was about an inability to to do the steady relationship thing. And I've since learned in the past twenty years that that's just part of me, and it's um, I'm now kind of at peace with it. Okay. I was born to be single, <laughs> and it's actually quite nice. Hey, if you're happy, who, who's cause who's yeah, to say? Yeah. Well, we're gonna take a short break here, and I, you know, I do want to play Tiny Meat only because that's the one, the first one that broke here in the states. So um, I'm gonna play that right now, and we'll get back with uh, Leslie Rankin of Ruby. And I, thank you for uh, thanks for listening first of all, and thanks for waiting around and listening to a great tune.
are back, folks. That was Tiny Meat, one of the first, actually, fantastically shot video. Remember, Miss D, we saw that back in the mid-90s Yes. on MTV yes, when they used to be good. And probably one of the last cool videos <laughs> when ever they played, made. When they played videos. When they played videos. <laughs> and we saw Ms. Leslie there. Um, and uh, who shot that video? And did they also do the paraffin video? Uh, no, they didn't. Um, it was Ben Unwin who shot the Tiny Meat video, and it was Doug Aitken who shot the paraffin video, and he now does lots of kind of real big kind of art shows and stuff. And, it, and Ben is Ben's brilliant. Ben also did the Hoops video, which was shot in New Orleans over three days, where we were we were drunk most of the time, I think. <laughs> and it, and it, I mean, his video, videos are brilliant. I love Ben. And we're, we're going to try and work together again at some point. I'm glad you brought up uh, Hoops. I, I adore that song. Um, it, it, it's what's lacking in music right now, and it's as simple as a rhythm, a beat, and badass lyrics, and you don't get that combination anymore. Didn't you? No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we really seem to have to really dig for music here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you really well, have to dig because it's... Um, what's what's out there is what's out there, and that's it. That's you, it. you have to dig. Nobody's getting signed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, and it is pretty difficult to find music. You really got to go by word of mouth. I mean, there's loads of really great stuff out there, though. Yes. I do think. I think it's the age of age of the individual. A lot of stuff is getting is getting very very. Um, Individual. I don't know what to, what, how else to describe it. I know what it. you mean. Re- Independent indie, just like a ho- and and very yeah. creative. People are getting very creative because they don't they don't have to listen. Um, justify the money that's been put into them by a major label. They're just doing it on their own, so they can do ever whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, it's back in the garage, which we do yeah. like, and that's why we that's why we do this podcast. Actually, that yeah. and indie horror movies. We love all the independent work out there. Occasionally, we'll get a mainstream thing, but um, indie writers, indie, yeah. yeah. Now, speaking, now you worked with um, I, I at least yeah, I believe I have one of your albums. Um, you worked with Pigface, didn't you? Work yes. on one album, more more than one. I can't remember. I think it was. I think I just did a couple of songs, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did a I couple think it songs. On two, I think I'm sure it was on two different albums. Kind of, it was one on Fook. Yes, a couple on Fook, and then did I do? I can't remember. I it have was a it. Long time ago. Yeah, I have the actual CD, and I saw your name on it. And I was just like, no way. And I went to my local record store, a friend of mine who adores you also. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, Leslie did sing on on that Pigface album. I, was like, I thought I heard her, and I saw her name. Yes, and I just uh, and that was when Chris Connolly was in Pigface as well. And I've just done a track for Chris Connolly's new album, which I believe is out like next week. Oh, yeah, oh, wow. I got I, I bought the Cockshore uh, album that he put out, uh, uh, the EP, yeah. I should say. So you're on his next album. Yes. Oh, that's badass. Okay. We did cool. a little duet, and I'm hoping we're going to do another one for my next album. Which I'm were you a, were you a fan of uh, Revolting Cox? Yeah, absolutely yeah. loved them. Me too. And Ministry. Oh. I never saw Ministry live. I don't think. Did I? Oh, hard to but you know he, what? Because the, t- the period that you were out there, Ministry was kind of deflated a little bit. I'm reading his book right yeah, now, which is amazing. Yeah. Aljo is it? But they came back with a vengeance in the 2000s. I've seen them mm. twice. Yeah, we saw. Did we see them once or twice? Together? Twice. Twice. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, it, it it is just it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's like wow, you're just being assaulted by the sound. Wall of sound. It's amazing. amazing. I played with Revco a few times. Oh, and wow. Silverfish played with Rev- Revco. That's where we first met them. That's how I suppose we got in in touch with with, with Pigface. Really. Wow. No, that's amazing. I, I so, didn't realize that. So, what was that like? Did you just hang out with a couple of them? Was it just a studio? Take or did, like how what, that... uh, what recording with Pigface? Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I just, well, I, initially I just ended up going down to the studio when they were recording in London, and me and Mary Baker ended up going into a booth and and knocking out the that the song that became Hips Tits Lips Power on their uh, yes. on their thing. So um, and it was kind of by accident, and we were you know fueled by beer mostly. And, <laughs> that and song it, it it didn't leave my car for almost two years. We had it on a mix, and it's just it always came on it was hysterical. Love that. Um, so I have to ask you about this. I don't think this is embarrassing, but so I was watching network television back in the 90, 95, 97 ish era, and here comes a Mountain Dew commercial. Yes. And I recognize your face immediately. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be me then, eh? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm sitting in the house that that commercial bought me. Really? Very nice. Yeah, I know. Hey, there's there's nothing embarrassing about that. Nothing <laughs> at all. Definitely, definitely it was not because before that, I I wasn't even earning enough to pay rent on a place, and I think I was I was like sleeping on people's floors. Even though if Silverfish had been quite successful, we could still got paid shit money, and uh, and I, I had nowhere to live. And then uh, the, I got offered this Mountain Dew commercial, and in fact, when I was uh, what was when I was making Salt Peter, I was sleeping on Mark Walk's floor. And stuff, and still had no money, and then then the Mountain Dew commercial came along, mm-hmm. and I bought a house. Fantastic! Awesome! I'm so glad to hear that. I, I thought that was gonna be like uh, like you were gonna be the, the the biggest thing in the world at that point. I wanted more, and then right. MTV just I don't know went away. Right. They were just terrible yeah. after that. But uh, what 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 became of you after that commercial? What did you you worked on the remix album, or were you working on Silverfish? Um, no. Well, I mean, Silverfish was gone by then, um, mm. and I, I, I left Silverfish in like 1993 or something, and then went off to Seattle and worked with Mark Walk. And I think I was just on tour basically after that. That um, I was on tour basically until 1997, and then I went back to Seattle and started working on um, short stuff at the Gene Pool um, with okay. Mark Walk again, and um, then that. You know, just worked on that for like a couple of years, at least a year. We, and then, um, yeah, it all, it all kind of, everything fell apart because my label, um, went down the pan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, creation, they folded and got eaten up by Sony. And then I didn't want to be on Sony and the, uh, the whole kind of business shit. And by the time I got out of, the the mess the quagmire that that the business side of it was in my heart wasn't in it any, anymore I and it. it was time to have a kid and I thought I'm going back to Scotland I'm going to like go and live under a rock and have a kid so that's basically what I did <laughs> you kept it really did it what you the way you wanted to do it now you're back which is fantastic yeah exactly um I, there was this little thing about Howard Jones and you um is there any truth to that. Howard Jones. Who's yeah. Howard Jones? Okay, then that was that was incorrect. Uh, so yeah. that you did a re uh, remix of Kung Fu Fighting with Howard Jones. Howard. Yeah, so that's oh, no, Tom Jones. Oh, it said Howard Jones in the article. Oh, it's Tom Jones. <laughs> even better. That's even cooler. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. Oh that my was, god. That was during the Lollapalooza tour. Oh. <laughs> they flew oh me god. from like Rhode Island oh to my god. LA for like six hours or something to do this song. <laughs> In Jackson Brown's studio in Santa Monica, and I hung out with Tom Jones for a couple of hours, and then they flew me back. That is brilliant. That's hysterical. Oh my god, I'm so glad it wasn't Howard Jones. <laughs> that would be much more yeah. boring. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh my god, what was he like? He had to have been cool. 
Yeah, no, it was lovely. He smelled strongly of talcum powder. He's <laughs> quite short, actually. I had, to, I had these big stacks on and I felt I needed to take them off so I was the same height as him. <laughs> so he was the same height as me. But he was really nice and, and just like he is on the telly, you know, he's just like really down to earth and... You know, nice looking and stuff like that. That's hysterical. That's oh my so god, funny. I love it. I love it. Uh, well, okay. Is there any way we can find a, a recording of that? Um, yeah, I'll send one. Oh. I got one. I must have one somewhere. Oh my god! <laughs> if I can play that, that would be all oh, the best. Yeah, you yeah. just made my day. I'll have it. I love it somewhere. My god! Oh, in fact, have I got it? I'll, it'll be on a hard drive somewhere. I, I love. I love the fact that we mistook Howard Jones. For uh, for Tom Jones, wasn't Howard Jones that guy in in the the eighties? Yes, the eighties guy, which made a little more sense than Tom Jones, really. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, All right. So I was going to. This leads me to my next question. Actually, who was your favorite musician to work with? My brother. It's got to be my brother. I mean, um, it's awesome. Yeah, because he's just. I mean, Tom Jones, Tom Jones was amazing, right? Cause he do, he yeah. is the singer's singer and he has such a set of lungs on him and he's so professional and he just went in and hammered it out in like two takes, right? So, I mean, he was brilliant and quite awe inspiring to watch, but my brother working with him is such a brilliant musician and a brilliant producer. And also because we've grown up together and we're very alike and he knows what's inside my head and I, there's no arguments and no wrangling and no difficultness. And he's, and uh, that's he knows fantastic. how to get to the point and, yeah. and yeah. get to the brass tacks there. Yeah. yeah. And he's in, he's in, did you say he's in Public Image Limited? Yeah. Is he still playing yeah. with, he's still playing? Yeah, they've oh, just the, recorded a new album, which yeah. I think is, is, is supposed to be really great. Cause yeah. they put out a new album in like, was it 2013 or something? That's incredible. Uh, and toured a lot and stuff. And then that, that was their first uh, pill album in like 20 years or something. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Rotten just did the radio circuit here. I just listened to him on the radio last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah and he, he's just a great interview. Just a great. Did you get to meet him? Yeah, I've met him a few times. He's lovely. He he's really great. is. I mean, the whole band are lovely. They're really lovely folk and stuff. So, um, and they're just, um, about to bring out another album and they'll be touring later this year. Well, there's something so to I be, I've lost him. There's something I've to lost be. What? There's something to be said about taking that break for musicians. You know, you get all, you get, get rid of all that dirt and smut from the beginning and then you take that break, uh-huh. you live your life and then you come back tenfold. It seems like it's working for them and you. Yeah. I, I feel, uh, much more inspired than, than I used to do. I think because you get, and especially when you're signed to the big labels and you just get on this fucking hamster wheel and it's going all the time and it's, you're just part of this big juggernaut that you don't have any control over. And there it is. And you get burnt out and you go away and you do, like you say, live your life and then you come back and you're doing it on your own terms and you're doing it because, like, when I stopped doing it, um, in 2000 or 2001, I think it was, I just didn't have anything left to say. And my focus was not on the making of music and the production of music or whatever, you know, my focus was, was elsewhere. And now I feel like my head is full of ideas all the time Good. and, you know, really inspired and excited about music again. And you look fantastic, by the way. Well, thank you very much. It's the wine. Yeah, Yeah, it preserves us all, I think. Um, (laughs) It doesn't it. Cheers. Cheers, yeah. And we're going to take a break right now because you have a pick. You want to, we're going right into uh, your, well, I guess a newer one, right? Yes. This is one, uh, speaking of my brother again, 
this is one of my favorite. I always love remixes. You know, I always have loved remixes. And my brother did as he's done a, a few re- remixes for me. He did some on Short Staffed album, but um, this is um, a remix of a track called Fireweed from um, the new album Waiting for Light, and it's the Scotty mix, and it's just beautiful. Very so, good. Well, we're going to play that right now, and uh, stick with us. Stick with us with uh, Leslie Rankin and Miss D and myself. Thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Light up. Weed. You are the hunter at my table. Bring your light. You're all spot to me. And love as much as you're able. The first time you That I don't fear the wheel Reveling in baby Follow your own path Reveling in baby Fireweed I love you more than life Fireweed Love you Go scare the dark and chase it with a stick. Cause your stone will light the way around you. Your time is now. Your time is Go scorch the earth Reveling it, baby Show us how it's done Reveling it, baby And don't fear the weird Reveling it, baby Follow your own path Reveling it, baby
So we're back from a break. And, uh, God, this, the discussion we just had, it's always the best discussions off air. I don't know. <laughs> yes. We're, we're talking about the ministry and I, I, I said, yeah. I said to Ms. Leslie here, um, I'm so glad you didn't hang out with Al Jorgensen back in the day of, of this book that he wrote. And sure enough, you said that you did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we ha- you used to hang out quite a bit. Oh, fuck. I thought I got to tell you. Yeah, he took me shopping for a, 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 a hat. You know, a big, like, cowboy hat. Oh, a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah, because he said I needed to have a cowboy hat. You're killing so he me. Got in, he, he was driving his, like, black Ferrari at the time, and he had the... Um, the the music system was hooked up to the engine so that the faster that you went the louder the sound got to compensate <laughs> for the sound of the engine so we're just racing around Chicago and the outskirts of Chicago with this just fucking mental you know my ears bleeding <laughs> getting racing around with this funny little guy in a massive hat and a very fast car al jorgensen oh my god yeah, yeah well uh, let's see if you show up in the book i'll let you know if you do <laughs> man oh man oh boy um all right so moving on here uh gosh i don't even know where to go from there but uh, all right all right um Saul peter let's see after that now what is available now what is the name of the new album tell us how to get it um, it's called Waiting for Light, and you can get it on Bandcamp, which is like Bandcamp, yes. maybe official at Bandcamp, blah, blah. Best place for bands to put their music out, because the, the, yes. the money goes right to the band. Yeah, it certainly does, which is great when I need to, to pay a bill. Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> hoover up some cash. <laughs> yeah, the house that Mountain Dew built, I love it. I love yeah. that story, too. But, uh, yeah, we're on iTunes, too, so, uh, yeah, as are you. So when, when people listen to, well, they find your music on iTunes, they'll find this podcast, too, hopefully. Yes. Now, i got to ask you, too, favorite horror movie? Do you have a horror, are you a horror fan? Um, I used to be, when I was a kid, oh, I must have my favourite horror movie. I'll tell you what, though, I, you maybe haven't seen them in the States, but we have this franchise, or had... Oh, we lost you. This ...when I was a kid called Carry On Films, right? Okay. And they would have, like, Carry On Camping. Have you? Are you still... Yeah, we're here, back? we're here. Hello? We're here. Uh, we're here. All right, very good. So we've got Carry On Movies... Like carry on camping, carry on nurse, carry on up the Kyber Pass, and they were all comedies. And they did a spoof of a horror horror film, which was Carry On Screaming, <laughs> and it's so brilliant. And I'm writing they, this down. <laughs> she's writing yeah. this down. Yeah, it's just completely nuts and very British, and just just <laughs> completely stupid. Proper <laughs> horror films. Oh God. I should have prepared you for that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I used to love horror movies. I tell you what, though, I loved all the old Hammer House of Horror films that we used to get here in Britain. They were all made in like the sixties and seventies. Yes, and they were they were just brilliant. Yeah, they were they were very creepy. Doesn't get better. Yeah, and I loved stuff with like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, yes. I know. I I just, I I had such a crush on Christopher Lee when I was a kid. (laughs) So uh, now I have to really ask you, not that it's a a good crossover, but uh, Star Wars. Are you a Star Wars fan or do you hate it? I don't hate it, but I just meh. Not your thing. <laughs> okay. All right. That's the end of Star Wars for now. Um, <laughs> now, what is what does Leslie do to relax? Other than we know you drink wine, we're partaking with you yeah. right now on an afternoon. Um, what else do you do? What do you like? What do you read? Um, I don't really read anything. I don't have the kind of attention span. If I'm if I'm not moving or doing something, I'm asleep. 
kind of thing. I don't have relax mode. I have full on or full off. So I don't really read. And basically, I suppose art or photography, you know, I mess around in Photoshop and, um, cool. and, and uh, draw a little bit and stuff. I don't, I need to get back into painting because I used to really love to paint. And that, that's where my background was. I went to art college and all that kind of shit. Okay. So, um, but I tell you what I have been doing though. I, I bought a little, um, what's called a cigar box guitar. Have you seen them? No, no. They're made out of Cuban cigar boxes. Oh, wow. Right, and it's just like this, got this cigar box with a, a guitar um, neck head stuck on it. Well, next time you have to play something for us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, well, I've just got it. And they're just, I've never really been a guitar player. I've, you know, I used to just hit guitars with sticks and make them make noises and stuff. But this is just a lovely wee thing. So when I sit down at night or whenever, then I, I tend to have a wee pluck on that and I'll be playing it live. Well, so you're, you're a mom now. How does that change yes. your, your writing perspective? Um, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think it really does inform, I mean, the only, the only way it's informed my writing is when I thought I need, when I wrote Fireweed, it was about my son and I thought I needed to write a song about my son or he's going to come to me when he's 14 and be like, where's my fucking song, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I wrote that. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think um, most of the stuff that I'm writing just now is all kind of, it's very emotive. It's very, it's channeling and outflowing of the kind of emotions, the just general kind of love emotions that I'm feeling just now and stuff. I think that's the, you know, all the time I was in Silverfish and in the earlier days of Ruby, I always just wanted to write a love song. You know, and I could never do it, and it would always, you know, be, end up talking about, uh, yeah, I love you, but I want to kill you or whatever. Right. You know, it would, it would always just turn nasty in the end. <laughs> I got that impression. Yeah, there's nothing wrong but, with that though. Then when I wrote Grace, which was on the short staff the Junepool album, that was the first love song I ever wrote, and since then. I seem to be able to express that side of my heart and how I'm feeling and, and, and it's, it's been great because it's, it's very cathartic and, um, and, you know, I feel I like understand. I'm being honest. I think too, yeah. if you're writing about something like love and your emotions and your heart, I think that's tougher to write about than, you know, I want to wring your neck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're purer emotions or, I'm you know, raw. To put out. And especially when I was writing Waiting for Light, it was, uh, I had, um, I was, had been married for 10 years and I have, it was coming out of that and it was, it was, um, it was like, it's throwing salt and wounds writing stuff because half of the stuff on the album is all about is, you know, that, the, the, the end of that, that mm-hmm. period of my life and the end of marriage and the death of love and stuff like that. So it was, it was very difficult. But now, it's just really satisfying. I feel like I'm being honest. Right, and that's Fantastic. a good thing. Yes. Yeah. 
And that's what I was talking about earlier about tone. Your, your, your music has a tone to it. And I don't want, it's not all, you know, it's not self deprivation. It's not, you know, it's not all negative. It's I'm in your face. This is how I feel. And you're going to hear about it. And that, that means so much more to me than somebody grabbing a gun in a video and shooting somebody. You know, like you get this emotion out and man, it's so damn emotional. I, I, Saul Peter just brings it out. But at the same time, I have this little smirk on my face while I'm listening to it. You have the snide way of getting your point across. I, I suppose I'm quite a kind of sarcastic person, and humour mm. is very important to me. I think it's a Scottish thing. We got there's got to be some kind of element of humour about most things. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's definitely a Scottish thing, and we love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, who are you listening to now? Is there anything we should know about music that's in your stereo or live acts you've oh, seen God. recently? Where do you want to start? Oh well, please, I, I need music. Do you? Oh yeah. Yes. Don't we all? Um, I tell you what. I've been listening to oh, there's this this band called um, the Japanese House that I've just bought, and they've got an EP out called Pools to Bathe in. I suppose I'm going for more kind of abstract, quite kind of I don't know what you would call it. Much more. I like I like music that's much more experimental and and kind of sharply edited and a bit odd sounding and stuff. I have to tell you who, who you got to check out is Young Fathers. They're a Scottish band. They're from Edinburgh. She, she's writing just, this down, just so you know, she's writing this down for us. Yeah, and they're, um, they're just brilliant. They're, okay. they're really great. Very cool, very cool. Yes. Um, do you have a go-to, uh, let's say old, like 80s, something you have to throw on? Any, anything from like Metallica to the Thompson Twins? Is there something... <sighs> I have a favorite. I'm gonna, and you may or may not make fun of me. Um, I, I drive people crazy with this one, but I, I always, once a weekend or once a week, I have to hear Slade run, run away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Slade's brilliant. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. brilliant. I suppose um, you, I used to have one that was Steve Miller, that album with the Joker on it. I used that used to be my every Sunday morning. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that makes sense for us. It's like uh, Elton John and Billy Joel. We have to hear that yeah. on Sunday morning. Yeah. I put the seventies on in the morning just before we, we, we talk to you. We have a seventies station. We'll put it on on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was Also, the Isley Brothers. I still listen to them, especially cool. when I've had a bit of wine and it's late at night and it gets turned up and I just have a bit of a funkathon around the house on my own. Nothing you know, wrong with that. Sad. It's total, total Bridget Jones. You know, <laughs> dancing, on, dancing on your. <laughs> Fight the power. Fight the power. Love it, man. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I love it. I love it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying music by yourself. Now, that also too, uh, oh, on that note, as far as like when you're, when you've been on stage, a live yeah. show, has there ever been a low moment? Like a point where you're like, oh god, I just want to forget that it even happened? Um, no. Good. <laughs> That's a good thing. No, I don't think so. I don't think, I, I, it's never been that bad. But I think I also, I have no shame. You have to understand. So it's, you know, and I'm I'm the kind of person who just always kind of looks on the bright side and there's always a positive to take away from everything, even if it's just so shit that it's just, you you learn never to do that again. That's, that question's always 50-50. We get either um, the worst story ever or just exactly what you just said. Ah, nah, I think you just, you just, you just got to roll with it. Some shit, some, I suppose then, I was getting towards the end of the tour and I was so sick of singing paraffin because paraffin was the big hit and every kind of TV appearance we did and everything everything we did had to sing paraffin. So I was singing it like three times a day. Okay. You know, and it got to that show and I just stopped the band in the middle of the song and I said, 
I just can't fucking sing this song. That's okay. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. And I've, I've felt like, well, the audience came, paid their money to come and see, and probably most of them were, were like, you know, I want to hear the song I've heard on the radio. And it was, a, it's quite a, a kind of unprofessional thing to do, but. I, I don't I, think so. That was a very real thing to do. Yeah, it was me being totally honest. And it, it, the thing was, after you've sung it so many times, it just loses all the meaning that you, you, you put into it in the first place. And you're totally going through the motions. Yeah. And it becomes so plastic and so you're just not feeling it anymore. Yeah, you grew out of it. Uh, that's yeah. like the writer that doesn't want to go back and read their early work because they've grown. They've done, they've moved yeah. on. It, it makes a lot of sense to me, and you're, you are not the first person to say that. And I, I told you about Eric Powell, who was a regular on here. He's in 16 Volt. Good band, you should check out. But now he has a new band called Black December. But he said the same thing. They, they started playing Two Wires Thin, which was a pretty heavy song for them, and got the crowd going. He said, we couldn't do it anymore. The passion wasn't there. I wasn't as angry as I was when I wrote the song. So that makes mm. that makes perfect sense to me. Mm. I know, which is a bit of a shame because people want to. For them, the song is still fresh. For your a lot of your, your audience members, the song is still fresh and it's still meaningful to them, and they really want to hear it. But you, you go, you just got to be honest with yourself, you know. And we love that. What well, what song should we look out for most? Um, do you have a release off the new album? Um, what should we tell people that if they were to pick one song, they should buy the album. But yeah, oh god, I mean that's that's the what I was saying before about it being the, the eclectic. This album is very eclectic, and it's also really kind of transitional for me because it has one foot in the past. There's a song called Last Life that is very much kind of rocking, kind of tiny meat, kind of cool. a wee bit harking back to silverfish, you know, full on. And it's it's a good, hard pop song, basically. But then there's stuff like the title track, Waiting for Light, and there's a track called Wetland, and, and um, that is much more sparse and much more emotional and kind of ethereal and a bit out there. But I suppose the favourite one, and the one that's working really well live now is a song called Un Five and Four and I've had people standing in front of me crying, you know, while I'm singing it and stuff because it, it, it touches a chord and it's about time and the juggernaut of time that just drags you along with it and never stops, never slows down. And you you it's about you know, you you get so tied up in your own life and you forget to tell the people that you love what that you love them and then they're gone and that that so it's i think it's it's my favorite song on the album okay you well now i'm sold <laughs> absolutely um, what, what, what I, I know you don't like you're, well you're tired of paraffin it's not that you don't like it but yeah. the, the two they're, they're just so beautifully shot the videos when you do the dichotomy of tiny meat and paraffin it's like tiny meat is aggressive and in your face this is mm. me. And then Paraffin comes along and there it is. It's, it's beautiful, calm. You're snide without like losing your composure, which yeah. I think is really cool. You're <laughs> a blue kimono. You're like all relaxed, but yet you're, you're telling this story. I, it, now the same guy you said did not shoot both those videos, right? Nah. No, no, nah. because they're, they're both like, it really gets your attention. It's just and like you're sexy without trying, which is very important. Um, <laughs> people try so damn hard now. It's not cool. It's just, yeah. it's, it, they take sexy away. And it's just, I hate that. You know, there's a million dancers behind them or, you know, and then you yeah. got rappers in your face with guns. Like, all right, come on guys. We've run, we've ran the course with this. Yeah, like yeah. You, you do it without trying. You make it look natural. And I like that. Good. 
Absolutely. Now, what I care, like when we first found you, like you were a female force, like I said, you were sexy without trying, but you, you let your voice and lyrics do the work without the dumb dancers trekking about behind you. Well, I never wanted to be sexy. I think, and especially in the earlier days, you know, I was living in London and I was getting sexually harassed in the street all the fucking time because that's just what happens to young women when they're living in cities like that. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing I wanted to do when I got in it on stage or writing or on a video was be sexy. I just did not want that kind of attention from people. Well, so I, I was yeah. consciously anti-sexy, you know. And <laughs> and also when you're a young woman in a band or do music, you get loads of photographers and loads of video guys who want to try and make you be sexy in the video because you know that's they think that's yeah, what kind of dress you a certain way however yeah, they I, feel appealing you, for the time trying to get you into certain poses and stuff like that and I really had to fight quite hard to, to and, and and more than once told photographers to go fuck themselves because I wasn't yeah. doing that, you know? well and it's kind of demeaning too if you're you yeah, know, you're trying oh, totally. you're, you're, you're a musical artist you're trying to put yeah. your music out there not you know I, not service their requirements. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so what, like these days, what are your live performances and the audiences like? Like, as opposed to the crowds in the 90s, um, do you get feedback? Are the crowds, are they alive? Do they show up? A lot of bands are saying it's hard to fill a club these days. Oh, yeah, definitely. And especially when you're doing it on your own. And I've, I've done no kind of advertising. And I'm crap at advertising. And I'm crap at, you know, looking for blogs and trying to get promo and all of that kind of stuff. You know, so I've been, uh, we've played to half empty houses, but, and more than half empty houses. Um, I mean, we've only done about six shows altogether. And three of them were in the States and there were friends that put the shows on. And basically people who were fans turned up and we just had a nice wee night. You know, so it's, I, it's very much preaching to the converted, but it's been like playing to friends, you know, because the, 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 half of them know the lyrics better than me, which is not difficult because <laughs> I've got shit memory, but, and I suppose, that, and it's been the Berlin show and the Glasgow show, the last two shows that, that would have been playing to much more, many more people in the houses and, um, and strangers and people who I don't know who I am or don't know anything about me, but, but they've responded really well, so. It's been great. Good, good. Maybe this will be the year for Ruby and Leslie Rankin again. I, 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 I believe it is. And you just told me something about yourself too. You, you said that you know you don't remember your own lyrics, which is hysterical. That tells me that you're a lot like myself. You, uh, you're constantly moving forward, and you want to get right. Yes, I, and I, I've got the most horrendous memory, and I forget everything that I do immediately that I do it, and I, I only focus on the forward and the tomorrow and. You know the new and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> but it sounds like you and Ozzy would have the best sitcom ever. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I know. Well, but he, he can't drink anymore, can he? Uh, well, he makes up for it in other ways. <laughs> yeah, uh, was... That doesn't count. <laughs> but uh, a good laugh. I wouldn't be picking up his dog shit though. Yeah, oh. no, no, you wouldn't have to do that. I think Sharon would definitely not see you doing that either. She wouldn't yeah. put up with that. Um, let's see here. I, I guess we do have to wrap things up. We should tell everybody where to find you, uh, how to find you, and where to get your music. Um, RubyOfficial.bandcamp is the the thing. Okay. That's my bandcamp. I'll just check it. 
Yes. <laughs> Rubyofficial.bandcamp.com. I'm terrible, my memory is bloody awful. So that's, that's basically, and also, um, Ruby slash Leslie Rankin on, on Facebook or Leslie Rankin on Facebook, Leslie Rankin on Twitter and, uh, and oh, okay. Instagram as well. All right, yeah, we're on Twitter too. Um, I'm at Fairly Dark and Ms. D. Oh, I'm at Ms. D5. And, uh, as, yeah, as always, uh, check us out. Uh, Society 13 is our uh, podcasting network. This is Kettle Whistle Radio. You can find us there and on Twitter as well as, uh, well, I've got a few books out there. Sorry, Leslie, I gotta advertise a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, on you go. <laughs> the new one is called Dwelling in the Dark. You can find that at www.burningbulbpublishing.com. The old one is The Fall of Tomorrow. No zombies, folks, but lots of monsters and demons. Hope you're into it. Um, and Ruby, honestly, uh, Ruby. Uh, her name is That's Leslie. Right. Thank you, Leslie. David. Ruby being on the show is, <laughs> has been a, the highest point of 115 episodes. I gotta say, uh, Leslie Rankin, thank you so much for this. You're very welcome. It's been nice. It's been very nice talking to you. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, hopefully we'll do it again and we'll be yes. playing more of your new stuff next time. Yeah, definitely. Let's go out. Oh. Should we go out with, uh, some silverfish? Yeah, on you go. You pick. I, I like Jenny. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's my favorite one. Uh, it is my favorite one on that. I'm not going to lie. What do you think, Miss D? I think that's a great pick. All right, folks. Uh, folks, friends, and fiends, thank you so much for listening. This was definitely uh, a high point of our careers here yes. at Kettle Wilson Radio. Thank you so much, Leslie. Leslie. Rankin, uh, <laughs> yeah, welcome. We're going to say good day. Oh, wait. You know what? You know where we're going, right? Uh, when we leave you here? I, th- I mentioned it. Oh yeah, hauling oats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to jump on the trolley and we're going to haul and oats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, be really great. I, I've yeah. seen them before. They're they're amazing. And I, honestly, I didn't want to like it because it's a little bit older than me, but not really. I, their, their pop stuff was out. But um, they, oh my gosh, what a show. I mean, they're, they're pretty major musicians in their own right and songwriters and all that kind of stuff, you know? Not, proper, not unlike you. legends, really. Not unlike yourself. They have their own label. All right, very good. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. They, they do exactly what you do. All right. Um, well, we're on our way, and <laughs> thank you so much for your time. No worries. Have a, have a great night tonight, and uh, post some pictures. Oh, it. pictures. Yeah, oh, Misty, yeah. that's up to I'll you. I'll do that. Yeah, she's <laughs> got the better phone. All right. All right, good night, <laughs> folks.
Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.